0: off to the race right now. Uh, Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander-Ferg. I'm sitting here with Tia Woolley. Tia, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you.
0: Uh, So for the listener who doesn't know you, can you give a history of yourself in the theater world that led you to being the managing director of Stage Left Theater? Uh,
1: I can certainly try. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long journey. Uh, Well, I started, uh, as everybody does in high school, acting for whatever plays that Happened to come your way. Um, That continued on through college and right after I was married. And then I became interested in uh, the backstage part of theater. So I started doing stage managing, running lights and sound and doing props and that, organizing, being production manager and stage manager. Um, And then that kind of morphed into uh, production Uh, oversight, I guess you might say, and then you just, I've been doing this for over 25 years, and you just kind of keep growing and growing and growing and learning, and so I don't have formal education in it, although I do own uh, several businesses, so you have the business background, and then once you add the theater background into it, I have a degree in communications, so once you add all of those little elements together, it kind of helps create what I have become, I It suppose. stacks it nicely. It does. It just stacks nicely. <laughs> you know, everybody pays for their education, whether it is uh, at a college or with time that you commit to a project or something that you're passionate about. And I, while I have a college education, I have committed more time to my passion, yeah. let us say. so. That's excellent.
0: Um, so I start out my podcast with the same question to all my guests, and it's a big, ambiguous question. So feel free to answer it in any way, shape, or form that you wish. Uh, the question is simply: What is your artistic direction?
1: Well, that's not an easy
0: <laughs> question. I wish I could um, capture a facial expression <laughs> on the podcast because I was just wondering.
1: Oh, I can't even imagine. My what is my artistic direction? Yeah. Uh, well, my I suppose I should start with my goals. My <laughs> goals for the theater. Uh, are to increase awareness. The theater that I manage, we do, um, our mission statement is to create controversy, to start the communication and the conversation uh, with hot topics, whatever is relevant to the community or the state or the country at the time. Um, So my vision is to keep and perpetuate that mission statement but control the quality of the productions uh, so that anybody coming in off the street is going to say I got the message that 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 show was trying to mm-hmm. give and you know if it's not done well then that message is not going to be conveyed it's going to be a distracting vision for the audience member mm-hmm. uh, while doing that you have to you know figure out how to get people in the seats <laughs> and that's probably like split 5050 artistic versus uh, retention customer yeah. retention
0: so yeah how do you that that's interesting because you're Purposefully choosing to pick controversial works, yes, and that might push. Uh, like Spokane is like a, a kind of a, a kind of a grab bag, but leans conservative certainly. And sometimes that, I guess, like I don't know what your definition <laughs> of controversial is, but with the current political pl- climate, that's definitely there's a lot of things to pull from. There
1: are anything that seriously, if you can think of something that is, we concentrate a lot on uh, political uh any social issues that are coming up whether it's the lgbtq or if it's a racial matter um uh, religion is something that we we also (laughs) delve into um uh the nationalities and the Mm -hmm. just the perceptions that people have the things that normally you take as a a slur against any anything then we're going to bring whatever has happened to that out and just put it on a silver platter and yeah. and let people see what a story is about that and hopefully um, either we'll we'll stimulate the conversation Is our first goal is to stimulate the yep. conversation the next goal then is to hopefully either have you express your opinion and create that conversation so that you either change your mind maybe you went in with a, a preconceived idea mm-hmm. so maybe you'll change your mind or maybe we'll just expand what you already know yeah. um, and provide information and resources on that
0: because theater is about i think at least about making the unseen scene
1: very much so yeah. yes
0: and that's that st- stimulates the conversation yeah uh, how do you pick How do you choose the roster of plays that will effectively engage the audience in that theatrical dialogue of making the unseen scene? It's
1: not nearly as fun as you would think. (laughs) Uh, What we do is um, have a, a forum on our website where people simply submit from the community Things that they feel would fit into our mission statement. Uh, And oh, it happens all the time. People send us information and say, I saw this play or I was hearing about this. Um, You should really do it. We've got a list of plays long enough to last for another. 10 years, probably. But what we do is we form a committee and we sit and we read anything that would be suitable to present at stage left. By suitable, I mean something that's not just a little chestnut, that's a little fluffy, happy thing. Yeah. Um, something that is going to stimulate conversation. Um, uh, touch a hot topic. It really has to touch a hot topic for us. It has to be uh, something that is a meaty topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to do, you know, the lighthearted Beauty and the Beast. We're not yeah. going to do that. We're going to do, you know, Disgraced, where you have a Muslim family that has to deal with terrorism in the United States. Yeah. Or So um, as lighthearted as we get, we're doing Sylvia right now, which is, you know, it's still dealing with a marriage and somebody a midlife crisis and how they adapt so it still has a little bit of stage left in there but it's still lighthearted. but we select uh, by reading all of the plays and debating what would work and making sure that it's going to fit within our space
0: yeah so is stage left always focused on pr- producing controversial works yes why that decision
1: Well, Stage Left was founded as a reader's theater uh, simply because they had a piece they wanted to present that was controversial, and none of the theaters in Spokane wanted to have that piece performed because it was controversial and they were afraid of the flashback mm-hmm. from the community so a need. <laughs> there was well there I mean it was just a it was a, a show I don't even remember what show it was now um, but we wanted to do it and all of the other theaters where you could rent space and perform a show um, were like oh our patrons probably wouldn't like that well so uh, We started a theater ourselves, and it started out as a reader's theater where we would present shows um, not in full production, but basically reader style. You're familiar with that. Um, And it has since become, we do full productions of the shows, but it really started out just as a need because there is no place else in Spokane where you can present a show that is going to talk about sex, religion, (laughs) you know, where we don't, we don't care if you hate it. It needs to be information that's out there. And there's enough people that want to see that and think about it. And there's enough actors that want to get into those roles um, and directors that want their vision for that to be seen. So we've had a pretty good
0: following. Yeah. How how has the community, because you're, you're sending a lot of like, I'll use the term energy (laughs) out into the community. And if someone wants to bounce that back, it can like, the, the, that turns into this like point of contention especially because controversial things are by nature contentious You
1: would, I had a fear that we would have backlash from <laughs> many of the shows that we're doing uh, and nothing <laughs> no, no backlash at all people just people writing letters saying this touched me so much this opened my eyes when we did Peace of My Heart, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with the piece, but I'm it's about um, the women during the Vietnam era. Oh, I am actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you do know that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've seen it. No, I have
0: seen it. I just, the, the, the title didn't get to me. No, right it
1: quick, doesn't though. make yeah. sense unless you listen yeah. to Janis Joplin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the show itself, you know, talks about women in Vietnam and the, fa- and the roles they played. And you know, the fact that Um, They were never really credited with the US government. The government doesn't even know how many women participated in the Vietnam War. And so that show, we got letters from people that said, now I understand what my sister went through. Oh my gosh, I had no idea all of the facts that were contained in that. So we got poems and letters and emails just um, from the community supporting it, and and it's you know uh, we're just kind of wagging our finger at the government, going, you know, you're th- th- yeah. this is a this is a fault that you guys have done, um, but these this is the repercussions, and it was it's not a happy show by any means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's very sad, but uh, it's a very heart touching one, yeah. and so that's usually the community really appreciates the fact that we bring these little hidden things out into the light and let everybody see them
0: yeah that's and it's in a way you're holding the powers that be accountable yeah, by affecting yes. individuals yes
1: that is that is really ultimately the goal
0: yeah how how as a theater can you stop i think a thing that performers and directors and theater entities kind of fall into is sometimes treating the audience like they're this big like nebulous math or massive demographic like statistics how do you as a theater stop viewing them as that and start seeing them as individuals to sort of uh, like pierce through that veil? Does that does this make sense? Yeah,
1: I do. I understand the question and I totally know what you mean because I've worked in several other theaters as far as, um, you know, you have a demographic. Most of your people are going to be 55 to 75 yeah. and they're going to pay the most money to come see whatever big foo-foo musical you're going to see. Wow. <sighs> our shows are so unlike that demographic Our the the people that come see our shows are so varied in range we're totally pg-13 and over if you're under 13 i do not recommend you see (laughs) do you see any of our main productions um although we do have some you know playwright festivals that you're welcome to come to but we really do not target younger children so you need to be between the ages of 19 and 75 as we've got such a wide range Mm -hmm. Um, and when we select the shows we are selecting them based on that information so we know we try to assault our season with things that would appeal to the much younger generation the the 20s Mm -hmm. um, as well as things that are going to go back in history like we've got one coming up that's burnt by the Sun Uh, it's uh, totally about the Cold War, which, you know, that is something that that people my age can relate to, yeah. whereas your age, perhaps it's going to be a learning experience. Yeah. So that's and that's where the information comes in. And, and uh, we don't necessarily target specific people, but just the age ranges and providing the information that we feel that our audiences. Uh, don't necessarily know about because yeah. a lot of the history in the United States is kind of buried, oh, yeah. and you don't even know about it. So we want to target those people and give them that information. Yeah,
0: it comes back to that I really like the idea of making the unseen seen. So it just is like.
1: that is that it, which is really what we're doing. We yeah. want you. Uh, we just want th- uh, little things to come out, yeah. and a lot of times it's the tiniest thing. People go, I had no idea.
0: I'm curious. Do you do you try to get people who would maybe not like the production purposefully in to see those, or yes. do you just okay? How do you go about doing that?
1: I call them. Really? Yes, I I call them or email them or text them or Facebook message them uh, and and say we're doing this show and it's completely it's about this and I think it has information that you would like to see. So it, uh, and usually when people, usually when people come to see, they, they love the production, well I mean, let's face it, they're nationally produced plays, so yeah. they are quality yeah, exactly. um, and our we've got such a huge, wonderful pool of actors and directors here in Spokane. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so the information then is just stuff that's never been heard. So once they come in and hear it, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, whether you're gay or you're straight. it's information, and it's information to give you some enlightenment uh, to expand what you already know. So we, you know, just reach out to people and say, hey, um, sometimes it's groups or clubs, and I say, we're doing these shows. I may give away a couple of comp tickets to get a couple people in so that they can go back and tell their friends about it. But that's
0: really it. (laughs) There's a... There's this thing in controversial playwriting, or I guess playwriting in general, that kind of irks me sometimes, (laughs) which is... Plays where at the end I know the playwright wants me to believe a specific thing, like the the play is like telling me the moral that I should take away. And sometimes I feel like those plays are, are a little bit less effective than the play that simply, as you're saying, presents information. It's like here, here's the information. You can draw your own conclusion. Yeah. Do you do, do, is that a, a discrepancy in your head, or is there like? Are there some plays that maybe like hit too hard in a way and it's like, okay, well, you're sort of like ham fisting it through the, or is that that just something that isn't even in the realm of your focus?
1: Well, no, I think about it. I think about (laughs) it uh, because not all of our plays end with a happy ending, Yeah. you know, they end with divorce, they end with suicide, Mm -hmm. they end with murder. (laughs) So our shows don't necessarily have that. Revelation of the moral of the story is ours are just telling the story and letting you come away with that feeling, yeah. Uh, versus wrapping it up and tying it with a bow. Um, there, we're we don't look at the at the shows for the end, um, necessarily yeah. so much as the journey,
0: hmm. yeah. Does that no? It makes sense, it makes sense. sense. Okay. Total sense. <laughs> um, and then so, uh, does Sage Love have? a like pool of actors or do you have auditions for every show we have p- auditions for every show Public, okay yeah. that's so my question is uh, how do you when you're choosing to do you were mentioning earlier that when you choose to do controversial works you have to ensure there's quality mm-hmm. with a re- a rotating new set of actors how do you ensure that you let the actors and the producers and the directors and all these people that are coming in how do you make sure that every show is quality
1: well, first, you have to make sure that they have the support they need, the directors and the production teams have the support that they need to do what they need to do and not worry about all of the little things, you know, marketing or posters or any of the little peripheral stuff, whether or not there's going to be an audience. That's not their worry. Their worry is to give us a quality show so that it it sells itself, basically, is what happens. Um, in... in Furthering that, once they start the, the process, and I'm sure this is the same thing with all artistic directors. Yeah. Once they start the process, I personally check in with them, see if there's any issues, what's going on, where are their concerns. Um, and then uh, about three weeks before opening, I, I watch the show and give notes to the director and Perfect. the production team. Um, I don't give notes directly to the actors, just to the director. No. Uh, because it is, in, in the end, it is their vision. That is what we need to see. All I'm looking for is to make sure, well, it's not boring, <laughs> yeah. that that, uh, that I understand everything, that there's no technical issues that have to do with the theater that are inhibiting the production value. Um, and then I, I kind of let them run with it for another week, and then I come back and look again, watch again, see what they've done, see what they've changed, um, offer some suggestions, uh, and, and uh, just make sure that the show is not stagnant, that it moves enough, that it doesn't have um, awkward moments that make the audience uncomfortable yeah. um, or that it's not too fast because that too yeah. can make the audience uncomfortable. You have to give us time to think when we're watching something that is so deep and and convoluted sometimes you have yeah. to figure out what's going on. So. To that respect, my my job is just to ensure the artistic quality of the show, so that the audience does get the message. Um, And sometimes, you know, the message gets buried in the in the shenanigans on the stage for lack of. And so we've got to sometimes pull focus on it a little bit and rework it a little bit, but uh, make sure the message gets across that the playwright intended.
0: I'm curious. This is a very specific question. Mm -hmm. Maybe this has never happened. But have you ever had an actor? Who is in a production that disagrees with the message of the production? Or has that... I, I mean, I doubt people would be auditioning for that play if... Yeah. But.
1: Not so much disagrees with the message, but disagrees with the director's interpretation of the message. Interesting. Yeah. And that can... Uh, it, final say is the director is the final say exactly that's it's always that and you can agree to disagree but you have to do what the director wants mm-hmm. It's his vision or her vision yeah. that we're putting on the stage and that's the reason they were hired is to be the vision of that specific production um... hopefully and knock on wood yeah. <laughs> we have directors that do listen to their actors um, because sometimes it's a it may be a better vision <laughs> coming yeah, exactly. from an actor and it's nice to listen to to everybody's input uh, and maybe incorporate it but no, the director is, is the final say and even if somebody has a different idea maybe it, it's not necessarily drawn out specifically but it is considered yeah. in, the, in the direction
0: What would you say to the actor that disagrees with a choice the director makes and then at, at a certain point is there a place for you as the artistic director to mm-hmm. step in and intervene and have a, a meeting with this actor saying, okay, look the director's in charge. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. That has happened. Yeah. Uh, you it, usually it, it's a it, you get it from two sides. The director will come to you, as and the actor will come to you separately. Yeah. Uh, and and so you kind of know what the issue is uh, going in, and it's it's. I I support them both, mm-hmm. but the director is the director, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully in conversation I will talk to the director first and say you need to reach out to this actor and and discuss what is the real issue is it is it they don't like the way you're talking to them or or is it they don't like what the way you're wanting to deliver the message and sometimes it's just a matter of communication usually that's what it is sometimes you know actors sometimes think they know more than the director and that's you know um, that's where usually harder conflict comes along and i just have to sit them down and say you know um i respect your talent as an actor but at the same time i respect this director and their vision and as an actor your job is to make sure the director's vision reaches the stage not your vision if you want to direct though you are welcome to apply yeah
0: that's great and then like that puts (laughs) them on the spot reminds them of work because that's as an actor you are just I, I hate to like use the the term vessel because it's like <laughs> that. but like you're you're right you're a vessel for your character and the vision comes through the characters and that's I think you you need to look at yourself as a tool within yeah. the grand scheme of the story rather than I am spearheading Exactly. <laughs> well, you
1: know, the, there is unless it is a specifically written as a one man play, <laughs> you can't do a play with just one man. Because you have, unless you've got just a monstrous monologue, there ha, there's other people that interact with you. And each one of those roles, I don't care if they say three words, they are important and they continue the story. They are the ones that are helping tell the story. So I don't have much tolerance for divas. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I don't because some of my favorite characters had no lines. But they were phenomenal and did so much with their role and helped tell the complete story. Because you need all of the little seasonings that go into the whole pot to make a good bowl of soup. You know, you can't can't just throw a chunk of potato in there and call it good. It's not, you know, you got to add it. And and it's not good just because potatoes in there. It's, <laughs> you know, it's good because there's a little salt and pepper and yeah. celery and you know, all of all of those things make it. And and that's what ah, sometimes you got to point that out to the yeah. to the actors.
0: Yeah, and it humbles them also.
1: I, well, I'm not trying to. I don't want to knock them down because yeah. I respect their talent so much. But you know, if you want to direct, you need to direct. But if you are not the director, if you are the actor, you need to act, and your actions need to be predicated on what the
0: director wants. Um, how, how big is stage left? How, how we, we are?
1: Well, I prefer the term intimate. Okay, yeah, that's, I've heard that used <laughs> many a theater before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we seat seventy. Okay, we yeah, seat seventy, so we're very
0: intimate. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> another theater that's also seventy, so it's okay, like we yeah, use the word us. the yeah. word intimate also. Yeah. Um, my question is with the content that you're doing and with a smaller theater how do you keep the doors open? How do you keep the theater running from year to year to year having a relatively smaller uh, theater and are there pieces of advice that you would give to other theaters that are smaller in terms of keeping the doors open?
1: I think the struggles are the same with every theater regardless of size you're always looking for some sort of revenue Mm -hmm. (laughs) you've got to keep your doors open, you've got to pay the people, you've got to pay the bills, so to speak. Um, we do uh, a lot of um, in-person marketing. So when I'm asking people as they're coming in, I'm like, how did you hear about us? Saw the article in the newspaper. Okay. I talked to my friend who came to see the show. Oh, I have a friend who has a friend who's in the show. So it's a combination of all kinds of little things, whether it's our newsletter or our um, Facebook posts or our you know, website probably not our website (laughs) Um, but the actors are our biggest cheerleaders we um, have sponsors for each show we have a season sponsor Um, I don't sell ads for our playbill I just uh, feature our sponsors in our playbill so that's not a source of revenue income for us at all Um, and then we seek contributions and donations Um, we also apply for grants so all of those things and they're constantly in motion moving and and going so that's pretty much how we keep the doors open
0: is there one thing in particular that you would give advice or as like what, what's something that you can seek out if you're a small theater struggling to pay the bills? Like what, what's the, what's an inventive way to like get that extra bit of revenue?
1: Well, for us it ended up being, because when I first started, um, there's an open spot in the season and I'm like okay I've got to figure out how to get some operating capital because I wanted to remodel (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to remodel and I wanted to but I had this big list of joyous things I wanted to accomplish well it takes money and you can't just go knock on a door a lot of people hadn't heard of stage left Um, so I created a fundraiser just a one weekend uh, show and did a minimal set but did a full production in one weekend Um, and I did that I think three times last year and each time it raises you know not a ton of money but enough to uh, do those little projects and that's so I I also developed like a playwrights festival that involves kids. Kids bring in the money. Yeah. We don't focus on kids with our theater. A lot of other theaters can do little <laughs> kid things. We don't. We are not known for that. People aren't going to bring their kids in. Um, so I did something specific just for kids. Yes. And and so those little things help.
0: Is it how long has the playwriting it. festival been going on?
1: Um, well, we have we have actually four playwright festivals. Oh, whoa. We do a we do a ten minute one called the Playwright Playground, okay. um, and we get submissions. They're 10-minute plays uh, submitted from all over the country and all over the world, actually. Last year, we got some from Austria and cool. stuff. Um, we do a one-minute playwright festival where, mm-hmm. <laughs> same thing, we get them from all over, and they're just one-minute long plays. Uh, we have something called Leftovers, which is uh, a 24-hour playwriting things, nice. so we have teams and they have 24 hours to write a play, rehearse a play, and perform a play. Um, and then Kids' Corner that I, I just developed, um, and that is where uh, first graders write the plays and college kids direct and perform them. Um, and that, that one is absolutely, think think Jimmy Fallon and his little okay. thing, because it's yeah. absolutely the most adorable thing in the world. Um, and then this thing. year I'm doing a, a new thing. Um, I want to feature just local playwrights because we have a plethora of local playwrights here yeah. in Spokane. Uh, so I'm going to do a, another festival. I'm going to add it in uh, where we have a 30-minute play by a local playwright and, um, uh, a, and an hour-long play hmm. by a local playwright. So so it's something that they'll be able to submit for, but it'll be a uh, at least a, a nice staged reading or a partially produced um, production to highlight the playwrights.
0: That's awesome. Yeah where why did that <laughs> why did that happen <laughs> why, why did the playwright uh, festivals have why so many I guess
1: oh well you know there are a lot of playwrights yeah. in this world a lot of them are unpublished mm-hmm. um, they're absolutely fascinating actors love to perform new pieces things that the role has not been established exactly. they it gives them a chance to grow as an improv you understand this yeah. especially it lets you grow and and explore something that you're, you haven't seen it on TV, you haven't watched the play a thousand times and see what everybody else did, you get to just act do what you're passionate about. And directors like being able to just see what's on the on the page and what their own little vision is, not be influenced by anything outside. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. Well, let's do four wins because the theater also wins. <laughs> because they're very well uh, attended. The general public loves the playwright festivals. They're oh. new works, they've never been performed. And you know, sometimes the chances, some of the shows actually do go on and become something, yeah. you know, so not very many, but some <laughs> of them do. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's that's why we do so many of them. More because there's a lot of playwrights and a lot of opportunity, and it only takes a weekend.
0: That's awesome. That's great. To hear. <laughs> I might spend a play. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're rounding out in about a half an hour. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about? And just in terms of like playwriting or, or not playwriting, but like or maybe playwriting, <laughs> <laughs> artistic direction, direction, running a theater, anything at all?
1: You know, I think. Um, well, I'm sure you've probably covered this with everybody you've ever talked to. Something that people don't often realize with managing a theater is how many little pieces of people that you get over the course of a day. I mean, there's it's a constant personal interaction, and and you don't realize that unless you're doing it. Um, if somebody's coming up to me and saying, "You really need to do something with recycling." More here, and I'm looking at them going, oh, "You have, not- I've got four grants that are in the process, two <laughs> auditions, and I've got a playwright festival. I got. I'm not thinking about recycling yeah. my bottles more than just putting them in the recycling bin. So you know, it's a it, there's a constant bombardment, and there's a a, a continual reprioritization yeah. of what is going to be effective, what's the best for the theater, what's the best for the people in the theater, because sometimes they're not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you have to really weigh out all of those, all of the input, and then see where it can go in the yeah. in the list of what is really important.
0: Uh, I think an important quality for artistic directors or just directors to have is approachability. Yeah. Um, within this bombardment of people <laughs> that you experience from day to day mm-hmm. how do you remain like approachable and like present with each individual that you
1: meet? I, I treat everybody like I've known them forever.
0: <laughs> I think I probably did that with you yeah, as no, well. you definitely but did. Yeah. I
1: just I figure um, unless unless you've done something to me personally you are gonna be a good friend and a great resource and that's how I look at it and I I truly do want to do whatever I can for whoever is approaching me I may not agree with what you say and sometimes I may need to think about it for a while but you know maybe a year down the road it's something that's really relevant and I will remember then that I talked to you and I'll probably pull you in and have you start something, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a matter of you know you can't let you can't let the irritating things get to you. you have to you know go home and complain to your husband yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um but you know, and you do have to have a good solid board of directors I will say that a yeah. good solid board of directors and a nice um Slew of committed volunteers that are that are ready to do whatever it is that needs to be done, and yeah. as long as you've got those resources and the people that you can talk to about the things, then it helps you keep your sanity, and and by keeping your sanity, you can be approachable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be so that keep your sanity. Keep your sanity.
0: <laughs> um, uh, great. I want to ask one more question, and we kind of touched on this, but I want to go back to it a little bit, um, and it's. The idea you mentioned—the idea of staying Mm -hmm. relevant—and that's an intriguing idea because you are putting a list of productions into the future, where three months from now something might have happened, Mm -hmm. or there might be something that you know changes the context of a play. How do you? I I guess I don't want to say stay ahead of your audience, but I'll use that terminology. How do you stay ahead of your audience to provide them like? How do you preempt them so it's like when you're putting a play up that is relevant then rather than now when you're deciding what plays to do in the future that's a good question <laughs> boy
1: it's a tough one too you know uh last year for uh, we were absolutely amazed at how relevant all of our shows were yeah. we did emma right during the whole trump thing oh, with yeah. the women you know so that was it was that's, like dang what good timing we had on that you know and that was Uh, It was a good show, so we just just decided to do it. And I think that it's that way with all good theater. Um, All of these issues, they don't just happen for a day and then they're Mm -hmm. gone. They are something that is continuing, and they may fade a little bit in the public eye. And we kind of feel our job is to bring it back into the public Mm -hmm. eye. Um, So it's not necessarily that we're trying to stay ahead. We're just trying to keep it relevant. Uh, throughout, and it sometimes it works out that what we're talking about is so relevant um, that people wonder how we how we selected it so far in advance. Yeah. Because I mean, really, we're selecting our next season. I mean, we've already got seventeen, eighteen in working, and we're selecting eighteen, nineteen now. Yeah. So you don't necessarily know what's going to be relevant in two years. But at the same time, whatever is relevant today in two years is still going to yeah. be relevant.
0: Yeah, and those uh, I think also just making sure your plays are like human and grounded. Because oh, there's yeah. mm. themes of humanness, I think, are strung together f- throughout all of human experience. Well, there's
1: always people that can relate. If it's got people in it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody somewhere can relate to that. <laughs> and it's not just a fantasy thing. It's all of, almost all of ours, not all of them. Some of them are not. I mean, Arcadia was definitely not based in reality, but there were real... Things in it. Um, but everything has drawn from history, from our history. Yeah. And when you draw from our history, there's somebody in your audience that either lived it, heard about it, researched it, or knows about it. Yeah. Um, and history repeats itself. It's it, it really does. does. Yeah, it does. And there's and, and while maybe we're doing a show about the Native American culture, but you know there's things with that that apply to the you know Muslim culture yeah. or the Jewish culture. So so all of those things you can pull out little gems from each one of them and apply them to the different facets of of humanity, yeah. so to speak.
0: I've heard this terminology that I really like for plays that some plays act as a window and other plays act as a mirror. Mm -hmm. Uh, so some plays allow you to see a a different aspect of the world of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And some plays allow you to look at it and be like, wow, this is me. This is a thing that's happening. Um, that's true.
1: That's a true statement. I like
0: that. I'm going to steal it. Yeah, no, take it, take it, please. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I have a question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just wanted to tell me that gem. I like that, and I am going to steal it now because that's really. I am going to use that in my curtain speech because that's true. (laughs) It is is. very. It really is true. Um, And and you never know though in your audience who's got the window and who's got the mirror. Exactly. You just don't know. I was absolutely floored by how many letters that I got from a couple of the shows last year. Just, I mean, one guy wrote like a two-page poem. And, I mean, he put some effort into this thing, and it's because we touched him. Yeah. And so he definitely had a mirror. Um, sometimes, though, the people that – I mean, I get great donations from people when I do something and I've opened their eyes. Yeah. So those – I mean, I get, I get some nice little donations. I can't believe, you know, we need this kind of theater because yeah. it opens – it opens doors. It opens the yeah. window.
0: And those are... Yeah, and those are... I, I really like to extend this little metaphor. <laughs> I, I think when people are really touched, where it's like, wow, I've been enlightened by this experience, yeah. is when the play at first acts as a window, and then through this window there is a mirror. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, this there's... there's this other world that I haven't lived and yet this human experience is still is still affecting me in a way that I can relate to. And that's when that's when you start really, I think, implementing individual emotional change in a community.
1: Well and and even if something doesn't specific you don't think something specifically affects you, or maybe you don't think that you have a certain mindset when you see through this window, so to speak, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I think I kind of maybe did, maybe yeah. that is me, yeah. and and then boom, there's that mirror, like, Uh-oh, and, you I've know, and it's this. like oh, and then I, hopefully it does open, you know, people's eyes and yeah. lets them see the whole story, not just their little sliver of the pie, yeah. and and I like the mirror in the window euphemism though, yeah, yeah
0: that's great. More expensive <laughs> you can get the better. That
1: right? is, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah.
0: Great. Uh, this feels like a nice little, like, place to sink into to end. Perfect. Um, if people are looking for uh, the theater online or if they're looking for you online, do you have any plugs anywhere that people can go to if they're interested?
1: Totally. We, of course, are online, SpokaneStageLeft.org. My contact information is on the contact page. They can contact me directly uh, with email or go to Facebook, Spokane Stage Left. <laughs>
0: Classic. <laughs> it's very
1: easy. I know. Yeah. It's very easy. Uh, and, of course, you know, Twitter, Instagram. uh, all of those little social media outlets.
0: Excellent. And as my last question, uh, can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It could be a book, a movie, uh, an album, a way of life, a quote. Uh, One recommendation, anything. It doesn't have to be in the theater world. It can be if you want to. Uh.
1: Well, uh, okay, a recommendation of a certain product, probably not straight off the top of my head, but I can give you the recommendation to ask people, what it is that is relevant to them, and then look online for something that matches it for a script, for a oh. play that is being presented. And maybe maybe that will help open your mind.
0: That's you know? fascinating. That's a really great recommendation. That's awesome. That's why I asked this. Awesome. <laughs> um, Tia, thank you so much yeah, again thank for sitting down with me. This was amazing. Like, oh, I just get so energized. <laughs> <laughs> you are,
1: you're very animated. It's awesome. <laughs> you ask great questions too. I like thank that. You. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Yeah. It was a it was a great experience. Uh, You can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. uh, And if you're on one of those, maybe give me five stars. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listener, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. And that is how I end.